millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. The following is a presentation of the Four Center podcast feed. From the center of the galaxy, this is the Four Center Podcast feed. I'm Ken Napson. And I'm Joseph Scrimshaw, and this is one of our News and Cues episodes. The News stands for News, and the Cues stands for Questions. Uh, that's never going to change. We're never going to flip it around and say Cues stands for News. We're not that chaotic. Uh, yeah, no, no. Uh, 
chaotic normal? What does that mean? I don't um, <laughs> yeah, I agree with you on that. There. Uh, hey, before we uh, before we get going, and I say too many more ums, uh, we're going to remind you that today's podcast is brought to you by Audible. Get a free audiobook download and a thirty day free trial at audibletrial.com slash four center. Over one hundred eighty thousand titles to choose from. That's a lot for your iPhone, Android, Kindle or mp3 player a little bit later of our force center recommends an audiobook we think you should try out on us and as you know we are not done there we have uh, still the second offer Justin. that is right insight editions is a publisher of a ton of great star wars books and other great pop culture books uh, but we're talking star wars they are offering 35 percent off across their website with a special force center code you can get your discount by entering the coupon code fc35 or you can visit the website with this link insightedition.com slash discount slash fc35 boy it's exciting to say websites with all those slashes in them uh this week we are recommending the inside editions book secrets of the jedi i've gone on about this one before it's one of my very favorites uh, i think particularly if you're a big fan of the jedi or if you're a big fan uh, of or if you have a younger fan in your life it's a really great entry into the world of the jedi got little secret codes you can pull out all sorts of great stuff so check that out with the code fc35 very fun interactive book great choice i actually forgot about that one we have it good <laughs> Good one, good one. It's, they're, they're successfully secrets. You forgot the secrets of the Jedi. Way to keep those secrets, Jedi. Oh, I love it. Um, I love it. Um, so check that out, folks. Uh, as always, I like to catch up with each other. Um, I have a I have a tiny adventure, but you've had a bigger adventure. So, Joseph, if you don't mind, I'll just share mine. And then Please. We'll your story, because it sounds like you had some fun foraging for Star Wars this weekend. <laughs> uh, real quickly, this is, this is big. This is pretty big. This is pretty big. If you know me, if you listen to me, if you see me on uh, YouTube shows, you know, one of my one of my standards, one of my things I'm known for is a certain Star Wars hat with the Imperial insignia on it. I, I get new ones when they get a little too uh, sweaty or dirty. I order order new ones. I haven't had the same <laughs> one for about five six years. It's it's what I know in there. I've even I even got a plush. A fan made a plush of me with the hat on it. Uh, this week, Joseph, um, I did it. I got a Rebel insignia. Mm. I, uh, nice one, new era, 39, uh, was it 39, whatever the style is, the low profile, uh, cause I have a big head and, uh, the white, uh, Imperial insignia, it's hanging right there on my wall next to my, um, uh, rebel insignia head next to my Imperial insignia. Looking at both of them right now. It says, remember Alderaan on the back, <laughs> which I actually wish that wasn't there. Cause the other one had death star engineer, uh, engineering. And I didn't want that one on there too. I like subtle star Wars stuff. Uh, but yeah, I finally had to do it, Joseph. I finally had to do it. There was an incident about two or three weeks ago. I had the Imperial insignia hat on, and someone kind of recognized it in a coffee shop, and they made a face. Oh, really? And I thought, ah, oh, maybe, maybe it's time to represent the light side. Yeah, that was somebody who was probably mad at the sequel trilogy or something, right? <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't know. I don't know. I just, uh, uh, she kind of looked up, and she kind of gave me a look, and kind of scrunched her face, and... I thought, you know, I like the Imperial insignias. I like the toys. But over the years, you know, that could, uh, you know, it. Uh, why not uh, represent the plucky rebels? So yeah, uh, I'll yeah. still wear both. I'll still wear both. But uh, I'm very happy with this uh, very high quality rebel hat. <laughs> so is is this for you? Is this a symbol of uh, evolution? Not like you don't like the Imperial characters or the Imperial story, but that that's not the main thing you want to broadcast is that where this is coming from yeah it's a little bit we, we we've talked often how you know the the real world and star wars sometimes become intertwined and 
it just it, it it's not as um it's not as I guess just not as fun to go out in the world and be like, yeah, I like the stormtroopers taking over the land and impressing the, oppressing the galaxy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it is. It's, it is really interesting. Uh, I, like we've talked about in a lot of uh, recent episodes, I think it is great to celebrate uh, the bad guys in lots of different ways. But then there is that, like, I feel like when you and I were growing up, if you had a symbol of the empire, in, in fact, when you and I met and, and yep. that was your aesthetic, that was just a different way to say I like Star Wars. Yes. But now maybe maybe it doesn't feel as much that way to you. Yeah, I, I think that's fair. Like, I, I think it's fair. Uh, you know, I, I talk often, but in G.I. Joe, like, I do love Cobra. The Baroness is one of my favorite uh, characters and all this kind of thing. But it's like, you know, you, what are you putting out there? And now that it is no longer this... Um, shortcut to just a star wars conversation like you said uh you and i are from an era where you know if you had a star wars t-shirt on you might feel uncomfortable wearing it in public uh we're past that thankfully fortunately for the most part um (laughs) i will say but yeah it's just so now it is very specific you know because i I had the imperial uh, hat on at uh auto zone buying some windshield wipers and the kid behind the counter was like hey cool hat you know, that was the end of our conversation. But then uh, the, the the coffee store interaction, uh, again, could have maybe it was just me. She might have just not like like me. I don't know. But I just it was uh, <laughs> just said that I just it just lingered on my my brain. And I was like, all right, it's time. Let's get, let's add a, at least added a rebel hat to our uh, wardrobe. Here. The coffee shop worker could have been reflecting on the complex relationship between pop culture symbols and the way they can be appropriated and not appropriated by people in the real world who maybe or maybe not reflect certain ideology, or that worker could have just had some gas in that moment. It could have been. Could have been. Or uh, I made one too many complicated uh, orders. You know? <laughs> Raspberry mocha, hot with uh, agave and some oat milk, you know, might have been. Yeah, but I mean, I think this is great. I think it is great that we can always uh, love the things that we love. This doesn't, you know, mean we won't talk about you liking Imperial characters a ton. Uh, but it's always good to be able to sort of uh, evolve with our uh, our fandom and our fashion. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Tighter cut of jeans and a rebel hat. Things are changing. Parts, <laughs> all right? And I saw my first article, Ken, where uh, somebody, maybe it was an article or tweet, I can't remember now, were like, oh man, the, the tight jeans are getting kind of out of out of fashion. <laughs> Yeah, you know what? I, and I was like, ah, I need. I just needed to wait like five more years. <laughs> well, I'll t- yeah, that's an old other podcast, maybe because I, I, I'm not. I, I don't have skinny jeans. I have slim cut, tighter jeans, right? I, I'm not. I'm not a. I'm not gonna do the skinny jean thing. But like, it just you. You see picture. I saw a picture of me about five years ago, uh, just random, and I was like, look at that bulky legged a hole. Like, no, I'm not doing it. <laughs> I'm not doing it. I'm comfortable where I am now. So there you yes, go. yes. I understand. Uh, yeah, my my life adventures is really funny. I didn't think I was going to have any Star Wars adventures uh, because yeah. uh, my wife and I, uh, both fully vaccinated, decided to celebrate by taking a trip out of town. We just wanted to go somewhere where we could see the ocean from our hotel room and sit and read books. I was really big on I just want to sit and read books. And uh, so my wife found a, a hotel in Ventura, California, about... Uh, Two hours, uh, 90 minutes drive, depending on the traffic. Could be six hours, depending on the traffic (laughs) drive from uh, Los Angeles. And we did get some great uh, reading time in. So I was like, I'm not going to have any Star Wars adventures because I'm not reading Star Wars books. Uh, Not that I don't read them and love them, but this was my opportunity to read some other things. 
Uh, and I thought, ah, I'm not going to have anything to report. Uh, and then uh, there's a charming downtown in Ventura, which you are well aware of. Mm-hmm. And my wife was like, well, what if we just bu- look at there's a used record store. There's a used bookstore. There's antique stores. Why don't we just, you know, at lunchtime, we'll pause our reading. We'll just bop in. Uh, we were downtown for about six hours. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and in particular, spent a bunch of time in, uh, in this antique shop. And I really love antique shops. Uh, but this one had a bunch of Star Wars stuff. And it was really fun to um, see the different eras. Uh, so much different uh, Phantom Menace stuff, weird Phantom Menace stuff that I've forgotten about of these like weird sort of like flip phones that had big pictures of Sidious in them, like not even a picture, like a little carving mm. of Sidious in it. <laughs> yeah. uh, there was a glass case of uh, Kenner figures, which I haven't seen, you know, obviously they're they're around at Star Wars Celebration, but I didn't look at them too much. I haven't really just looked at them in a long time in, mm. in a case. So I spent a lot of time just just looking at them, looking at what condition they're in. And uh, then they also had a couple of modern vintage collection figures in the package, mm. uh, like Enfys Nest and Range Trooper. And I haven't looked them up. Maybe they're really rare and valuable, but they had them for $89. <laughs> <laughs> it's like the, the dates right there on them, they're sealed with like the, the they've been like, you know, um, analyzed, right? So it says right. like they're, they're near mint. Oh, okay. Enfys Nest says 2018. So I was like, anybody reading this can see this is not the a forgotten figure from <laughs> 1981. Like, so so that was really weird of like uh, looking at all these figures from my past and like I just bought that one like two years ago. Is it worth 80? I don't know. Um, but my favorite thing that I found, Ken, uh, yeah. I took some pictures of it. I'll, I'll send them to you. Uh, there is one of the larger kind of 12 inch, a little bit more doll like because it has fabric clothes. Uh, mm-hmm. figures uh, it must have been from around 2002 or 2003 because it's in the attack of the clone style packaging that era uh and it is labeled empire strikes back it's labeled imperial officer and the imperial officer just i don't know if it's modeled after any one particular officer from empire strikes back but there's mm-hmm. just something about him that he, he just looks like ned from accounting there's just something he does not look at all like, yes, I am putting my boot down on the galaxy. He just looks like, this is my day job, man. I just want some coffee. <laughs> and it was already funny enough and weird enough. I took pictures of it. And then I turned the package around thinking, like, I wonder if they're going to say any more detail of, like, which specific Imperial officer this right. is meant to be. Because on the front, it just says Imperial officer. And then on the back of this Empire Strikes Back uh, action branded action figure, Huge picture of Moff Jer Gerard. Nice. Yeah. Yes. Nice to see a picture of him. This is not a Moff Jer Gerard action figure. So I felt offended for you, Ken, knowing <laughs> Thank you. your Thank fandom you. of Moff Jer Gerard. Yeah. And there's my loyalty to uh, the Empire showing through here, huh? Um, <laughs> that's, uh, yeah, I have to swing up and check that out. Yeah, I think he, I I didn't look at the price tag because uh, I was he he was big and I was afraid I wouldn't be able to stop myself and I would I would purchase him. <laughs> yeah, and, and by the way, I, I want to hear more of your tale here, but I went to Amazon real quick and uh, and just to see if I was to try to get an Infant's Nest three and three quarter vintage collection, uh, thirty bucks. So that that so whoever was running that shop, maybe that eighty nine dollar price tag was maybe they know something we don't. Maybe it's a little harder to get because the Range Trooper I can get. Right now for 12 bucks. Yeah, I did not think it was uh, worth $89, but <laughs> man, that was like, 
there was so much in that store, not just action figures, but, you know, the records and comic books. And uh, I was I was in heaven. Uh, but I, I by the time I got to that case, I was like in an almost like a frenzy state. Right. right. <laughs> I was hungry. I was tired. Uh, the emotions of seeing those Kenner action figures. And I just I literally did a double take. I'm like, this isn't right. It can't possibly. Empress Nets can't <laughs> possibly be that. I mean, she's that valuable to me as a character. But anyway. yeah. Anyway, it was it was really fun to have the uh, the Star Wars uh, adventures, and then we did end up. There's a boardwalk that uh, that we had a nice walk on along the ocean. It did eventually uh, go into an actual sand dune, and my wife loves uh, the sand, uh, so we walked on the sand a little bit. And I can't I can't walk on the sand without thinking about Anakin. He he is not wrong. <laughs> it no. does get everywhere. And Converse shoes do not protect you from the sand. No, no. Having grown up, uh, you know, a mile from Pismo Beach, my my childhood and young adulthood, when I <laughs> when I saw that Attack the Clones line, I was like, yeah, the guy's right. Like, it's I hate sand, <laughs> hate it, and I'll still go to the dunes and everything play. But as a kid, Sunday afternoons, packing up, playing with Star Wars figures in the sand dunes in Pismo Beach, you, you, you for three days you're shaking it out of your ears. Come on, <laughs> I'm with you, Anakin. Yeah, so Anakin is right, and Enfys is very expensive. That's what I learned this weekend. Those were those were my adventures, Ken. I love it. There's something powerful about found Star Wars when you're just out in the world, and yet and Star Wars finds you. I love yeah, it. oh, it did in a big way, and it was great. I love it. I love it. Uh, from there, we're gonna go to Star Wars news. Uh, speaking of found Star Wars, how about? found old news that surfaced <laughs> which look uh, so here we're, we're going to talk about the this uh, Dave Filoni thing this is the old Filoni promotion news surfaces uh, then uh, has a second part of the story reveals a production halt we're going to talk about that uh, Variety kind of summed it all up this kind of exploded I saw some folks uh, Charlie Schneider of Emergency Awesome was one that tweeted it out and some other folks saying hey the StarWars.com website or at least the Lucasfilm website I should say has uh, Dave Filoni's executive creator creative director, along with Doug Chang and John Knoll, we should point out. Uh, and look at this. Voila, they've promoted. Boom, explosion of tweets, as I'm sure we all saw, which included Ming-Na Wen, Katie Sackhoff. Uh, you know, I guess um, I saw that and I thought, well, maybe Dave just, uh, he doesn't tell people about work. Maybe he doesn't, <laughs> maybe he's, maybe a credit to him. Maybe he's like, yeah, cool, I got promoted. Turns out, as Variety uh, uh, exposed, um, exposed, uh, like his salacious news here. This was last year, or at least last summer. <laughs> this is something that came out. Um, but the website hadn't been updated. So, look, that's on that's on them. They created, <laughs> Lucasfilm accidentally created this story and this hoopla. Uh, Dave Filoni has been one of the executive creative directors, uh, which means he'll see, oversee a lot of things at Lucasfilm. Maybe he'll have a finger in Indy 5. Uh, maybe uh, with the Willow TV show. Who knows? This could be across the board. It is a Lucasfilm position. Uh, again, along with Doug Chang and uh, John Knoll. So uh, I just want to talk to you, Joseph. You were kind of uh, on the road when a lot of this happened. Uh, did you get caught in this uh, Filoni tidal wave? Uh, the, the title tidal wave. Uh, yeah, no, I did. I did actually look at it and I think I saw the initial explosion and saw the mix of just the positivity of like, congrats. Uh, and then I saw the anger of like, yeah, Kathleen Kennedy is out. And then I saw the response to the anger of, uh, but Kathleen Kennedy would have promoted him. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so I, I saw the cycle and I said, ah, I'm, I'm familiar with this. Uh, and then I saw the, this variety headline that was like, the big news is this is not new news yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and i was happy uh, and intrigued to 
to see. I was actually really happy to see that clarification uh, yes. from, you know, a big entertainment, uh, a source of, you know, uh, entertainment news like Variety uh, to say to clarify it all. It was really, really great that I was happy to see that. Yeah, no, no, it makes a lot of sense. And what I like about that, uh, as we talk about just that news and that title is because it's been in place for a while, um, there's no need to speculate about what this means about anyone's future or anything, you know, because it's been, it's been, <laughs> it's already been, the past is dry, uh, the ink is dry, the past is already written, all those quotes you want to say, um, great Scott Marty. Um, so that just uh, gives me confidence that uh, all things are, you know, firing on all cylinders as we go to this next phase of Star Wars shows um, and uh, development. Uh, that's exciting that those three, uh, Doug Chang and John Knoll and Filoni, rewarded for years of work, well done, and that Kathleen Kennedy recognizes that. Yeah, yeah. No, I feel like it, it, I understand why we as fans would respond to such powerful sounding words as executive creative director. Yeah. Uh, that's great. But I think, you know, we should always be careful about spinning corporate job titles that maybe we understand, maybe we don't uh, know exactly what that means internally to Lucasfilm, you know, and being careful to spin them into any, you know, specific meaning or any anything that we want them to mean. Um I think for me, especially knowing that Doug Chang and John Knoll are also uh, creative executive or executive creative directors, uh, I just think that's great because I think Star Wars needs that balance of the old and the new. And with all these new shows, a lot of new voices are coming in, a lot of new creators, and, and we need that fresh perspective of people pulling out what ideas in Star Wars mean the most to me, what new, uh, you know, horizons can we explore? And then you have, you know, three people like Floney, uh, Doug Chang and John Knoll, who all have that old wisdom, that old learned experience. And it creates this great balance of old and new of being able to invite new people in and go, just follow your bliss, just play with Star Wars. And if it gets into this area that we're like, Ooh, let's, let's look at that. There are these like great, uh, mentors yeah. to guide the new voices. I think that's great. That's uh, I don't know if that's what it is, but that's what I want it to be. Yeah, well, those, and those three names, you're right. They're not only just we just know them and been around, but they aren't just, um, they're not relics. They're active, and they have been leading and among the leaders of this new generation of Star Wars, which means they know how to take it from the past, like you said, and they know how to move it forward and work with everyone and, and adapt and adjust, but keep true to that mythical what is Star Wars uh, thing, and, and that just makes a lot of sense to me. Uh, uh, and, and again, excited. Rogue One with John Knoll, Doug Cheng's design, especially early on Force Awakens, and we all know what Filoni's brought to the table. So I think it's a great point. Old and new, and they are all of those things. Yeah, and then one other thing that that I wanted to throw out there is I think there are, you know, bits of uh, old news scattered all around us that uh, like the Rise of Skywalker Visual Dictionary has some great quotes early in it where uh, talking about Filoni kind of weighing in on this mm -hmm. idea of, hey, let's really focus on Leia as the mother. And, and there's a quote from Filoni talking about how great that is because uh, you know, the icon of mother has not been as explored in Star Wars as the icon of father. So like, it's just a quote in a book. But to me, that's like, okay, these quotes are are coming from group meetings, you know? Yeah. <laughs> I feel like Filoni has been involved in like these big picture, like discussions back and forth um, for a long time. And the fact that maybe this title means that's solid. That's a thing that happens all the time. That's great for everybody. Yeah, 
And and again, you got Kathleen Kennedy recognizing it. You got Ryan Johnson. Uh, hey, Dave, take a look at this lens and tell me what you think. It's live action. So, uh, um, you know, it's all it's all the same to me. It's all good people doing good things and creating these stories we love. Yeah. Um, out of this, though, this was interesting. This was interesting. And we'll say, as of right now, I, I did a quick double check. Nothing official from Lucasfilm. We do try to wait for that. But again, this is Variety. Uh, in this, uh, they talked about the slate of new shows and movies and everything coming down the line. And then they just kind of said, oh, I think it was even a, in a parenthesis. <laughs> Rangers of the New Republic is no longer in development. And uh, this became the second part of the story, Joseph. So that could be, that's salacious. That's salacious. It ties to things we've talked about before. And also, it's just there's so many things going on. I, I'm actually kind of not surprised at some of these uh, the more of these projects maybe aren't on hold or in development. There's just a lot going on. And we just, on that investor day, just heard about a few. So uh, what do you think about this? Again, no, no reason given. Lucasfilm was not confirmed, but we're just uh, speculating on what we think this uh, uh, might be and what it means to us, Joseph. Yeah. I mean, I think the turn of phrase was not in active development, right? Right, right. So, I mean, I'm, I'm the way that I took that is, A, you should, we should be just wide open about how to take that because that's <laughs> a pretty ambiguous phrase uh that could mean that they're actively dave filoni is sitting down and writing ahsoka every day and they're talking about it and they're just not actively working on rangers of the new republic doesn't necessarily mean they're not going to make it it's just that they're not actively working on it right mm-hmm. now um yeah and i i think for me uh and this is just total opinion total conjecture uh i got nothing to back it up it's just an opinion from listening to uh, Favreau in particular talk about Star Wars on the behind the scenes things. I think all the Mandalorian adjacent shows are just very creatively fluid. Mm -hmm. I personally think that's why all those Mandalorian books uh, were canceled. Yeah. That I think Favreau really wants to be like, Hey, I think this is what uh, Mandalorian season three is going to be. So then it would tie into Ahsoka this way and tie into Rangers of the New Republic this way. But wait, I just got a new idea (laughs) and really wants to have that, elbow room to not be locked in by years and years of you know sort of pre-planning and, and connection and yeah you know i think it could be if there had been an idea for rangers of the new republic and then it be and then there was a new idea and it didn't seem that that it was you know important to tell that story in the next two years eh, maybe it's just like yeah sure we'll do it down the line but now mm-hmm. it's fluid it changed Yep, uh, right there with you, and that active development uh, could mean a lot. You're 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 correct to point that out, and I, for one, um, believe in my heart that this wasn't as super planned as you'd think, and that they have a plan is a is a is a rallying cry of of just uh, I don't know. I don't want to get negative. It's just something I've never uh, been super excited for to have everything planned down to the minute. I don't think that's how it works. I don't think how you that's how you want it to work. And this is just to me another indication of that. And and yes, is the character of uh, Cardoon supposed to be involved? I, maybe, but maybe not as much as you would think. Who knows? I don't know if they knew. I just think they wanted to get some stuff out there. And you're right. Hey, ooh, ooh, ooh I've got an idea. Is is a pretty powerful thing as a creator, <laughs> you know? Um, including, yeah. Ooh, ooh I got an idea. What if Luke shows up? That's something we saw in Mando too. It's something Favreau was said. That wasn't what he was planned. That's what the story dictated. Um, Paraphrasing, of course. So, yeah, I'm actually, for what this means to me, I'm actually excited about it. I don't want anything wedged in. And if there's a reason, even if the reason is we're just not feeling it right now, until I'm sitting down and watching it on my couch, 
you know, none of it's real. Until it actually <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I mean, yeah, if they if the if Lucasfilm came out and was like half those shows we announced we're not doing, like fair enough. That would be frustrating because fans get excited. Yeah, yeah. yeah we're totally- um, but especially in this Mandalorian thing where we got Book of Boba Fett, you know, that's will be coming in the grand scheme of things shortly. You got Mandalorian season three, Ahsoka season, I think is uh, for sure coming. Um, it, it would seem to me, again, just utter conjecture that if there's a lot of storytelling threads in this little era the, of Mandalorian adjacent shows and maybe Rangers of the New Republic was going to deal with uh, what seemed to be hinted at to me with the character of Carson Teva being aware that there's too much Imperial activity. What's going on? That seemed really like, let's pull out these threads of uh, early, early evidence, of the first order. And if that was what the show was going to be, maybe there was a decision. We don't want to focus on that. Or actually it dovetails better with this story. We want to tell, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Look, I'm, 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 I'm still want the Carson Teva, Carson Teva variety hour. I still want it. But, uh, uh, so uh, it was interesting. I, yeah, I'd be happy with entertainers of the New Republic. <laughs> oh, oh, God. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, look, and for me, I get, you know, we we cover a lot of these news. You and I have really pulled off of uh, you know, scoops and rumors and leaked set photos. We don't really want to cover that here. And this is none of those things. But I, I, this one did kind of catch me by surprise a little bit. Like, oh, okay. Interesting. Interesting. Let's find out what that means. Or we might never know what that means. But Yeah. And I, yeah. I know some people are reacting to it as though it is you know, all about Cara Dune. And I think there's a possibility that mm-hmm. there's an idea that, hey, the Rangers of the New Republic, this idea that these sort of uh, frontiers <laughs> law people, this uh, new young government are figuring things out, out on the frontier. I think, yeah, it would have totally made sense to feature Cara Dune. But I also feel like, you know, not only Carson Teva, but there's so many other characters, including uh, brand new characters. There's no yeah. reason that that story couldn't be told without Cara Dune as well. Uh, 100% agree with that as well. Um, so from uh, what um, is not coming, maybe, to something that is coming. We're going <laughs> to read a little bit here of The Rising Storm. This is, of course, the Kevin Scott written uh, sequel in a way to Light of the Jedi, but the next big chapter in the High Republic era. This will be out June 29th. Uh, nice little excerpt here. And I'll start here too, Joseph. Um, historically here at Force Center, we haven't we don't dive into the little book excerpts a lot um even if it's a book we're looking forward to or even one hey you know i know you and i maybe don't get super excited for thrawn but we don't we don't read that we also don't read any of the other ones we just uh we don't take spend a ton, ton of time but the high republic i personally have been really excited just to get little morsels with these little these little clips they're they're sending out um because i just so love what has come so far and i think it's a testament to the the series overall you know yeah, absolutely. I think that my excitement for the actual stories being told in these excerpts for what is this uh, beginning of this kind of next uh, next phase, I've been so excited to just see the strategy of storytelling. Mm-hmm. And one of the things I've been so excited by uh, from seeing these excerpts from The Rising Storm in particular is that, okay, some of the big threads set up uh, by Light of the Jedi the first adult novel are going to continue here in this second adult novel. That's kind of nice to give you a sense of what to expect then throughout the whole high Republic era, you know, at least the beginning here. Uh, Cause that was one of the kind of uh, thrills and anxieties of light of the Jedi of like, Oh, uh, loading great storm, great story. Uh, when or where will that be continued in any way? And it's really great to get the confirmation that, well, then the next adult novel. 
Yeah, and then and uh, they should put that on the cover. Another Star Wars <laughs> adult novel. Oh, adult, 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 so, smooching in it. Uh, we t- we took a a peek at this. Uh, this focuses uh, mostly on Bell Zedifar. Uh Thoughts on this one here, Joseph? Big themes of attachment, which is uh, a lot of what is is Bell is about. Uh, he is, is a charhound ember. He names spaceships. He's um, attached to his master that he believes is gone. Uh, Loading great storm. So uh, thoughts on uh, what you read here? Yeah, I love this uh, this uh, brief passage from uh, his new master, Indira, where she says, uh, Jedi can love Bell. We're not droids, nor should we ever be. We are living creatures rich in the Force with everything that brings joy, affection, and yes, grief. Experiencing such emotions is part of life. It is light. I love that because mm-hmm. I think that that's an idea that is definitely uh, found many places in Star Wars. Uh, I think uh, you and I and many other uh, Star Wars uh, thinkers and talkers uh, talk about it, but it's really just great to hear that in such a concrete way of like, emotions are wonderful it's just that we can't let them guide us towards you know uh mm. destructive action uh and that's what we're concerned about and uh th- th- that passage to me really continued this great storytelling in a high republic of uh jedi are really interesting even when they're doing a good job when they're at their best because it's hard to be a good jedi mm. <laughs> and this is such a great example of look, this is exactly the kind of conversations that should be happening. These are the kind of challenges you run into and how do you overcome them? It's really great. Yeah, I'm really fascinated. Bell's so far been just this great character. And because he's young, still technically, what, a a Padawan, older Padawan, ready to to make that big leap. And that's part of what's going on here. Uh, It's a really chance to analyze these these, questions. core tenets of the Jedi, the attachment and all those kind of things. And I'm not, I'm not saying he's going to go to the dark side or he's going to be a Vader of this era. I just, I love that he's, he's young and, and Embers is, a, you know, a, a kid, kidding their dog is, is a pretty powerful story. We've all lived it in some way. Um, and I'm, I'm reading the Ember stuff here, the Charhound stuff. And I'm just like, my heartstrings are being pulled. And, uh, you know, I don't think anything dark's going to happen, but it's like, Take that and go, yeah, you know, you know, measure your attachments. Well, I got this dog here. No, measure your attachments. <laughs> it's it, it's a real, it's a way to tell some of those lessons in, in a kind of a, a new, exciting way for me in this era where the Jedi are running on all cylinders. Yeah, exactly. And the Jedi are all human or not, yeah. you know, the species human. They're all organics. They're all people with emotions, uh, characters with emotions, and, and they're trying to figure it all out. I think Bell is a great character. I love that you pointed out that he's got a little bit of this sort of dalliance with attachment. Uh, but I also really like the uh, this passage really uh, uh, sets up uh, these fun challenges and what's specific to his character too. that idea that Loden said, uh, I think, you know, I think you're ready to be a, a Jedi Knight and Bell doesn't want to. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't want to take that step. Mm. And that idea that he he the challenge that he has to face his Jedi trial is how does he deal with these emotions about not being able to uh, let go of Loden? And then the thing that's really great for me is this would be utterly compelling if we, the audience, knew, yeah, Loden's dead mm. and Bell has to let go. But this is a really fascinating question of if Bell is having a hard time letting go, is that a failing of his Jedi teachings or is some part of the Force whispering to him? Is this an example of a time where a Jedi should not just let go because Loden isn't actually dead? <laughs> Well, yeah, 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 yeah. No, that's a great, that's a great point. Uh, you know, we've seen some of that stuff with, uh, you know, Ahsoka and Anakin and the Clone Wars. And when, when do you let go? And when, when, when do you keep, keep hope alive? Yeah. And it's a, it's a needle you got to thread. So you're right. When that, that reveal that news, however, it's going to happen. Loden's not in, not in great position right now. Um, 
yeah, that's going to be, that's going to be interesting. Yeah. Cause I can see it putting bell in a really bad position. If he's like, he struggles, but he lets go. And then as soon as he kind of accomplishes that, he realizes, uh, no, uh, Loden's alive and being horribly tortured. Yeah. yeah <laughs> and you just, and you decided the great Jedi thing was to just walk away. That, exactly. And I, I, I'm rooting for Loden to survive too, by the way, but like, yeah. What if he finds out he, he did die, but he wasn't dead and I'm sitting over here praying, <laughs> you know? <laughs> like, yeah. Just resent, you know, uh, you know, a little again, it's Anakin stuff, but it's the big themes and, and it, it should be dealt with um, and explored. And I think I'm excited to see what they do here. Um, I was going to ask you about this, though, and feel free if you need to, if you want to talk more about the themes and, and stuff with Bell, but uh, it's a bit of a change of topic. I love, we got this ship, the innovator, and we got this um, uh, species, uh, Cyclorians, who are from Rise of Skywalker. It's their first appearance. These little insectoid, uh, uh, insentient species, uh, little ant-like, little-looking uh, 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 creatures, and, and they're they're hardworking. They built this ship. Uh, you got this main character who's uh, kind of proud of it. But I looked them up. Yeah, their their first appearance, Rise of Skywalker. Oh, that's so great. I love this. Uh, we were just talking about this the other day uh, when the Vorpax from Resistance uh, popped into Bad Batch. I love when something gets. Uh, introduced in one place and then it gets seated in different places i think it's one of the uh the great things about star wars jumping around in the timeline right of mm-hmm. it, something can be introduced in in you know a story that's as far down the timeline uh as we go in modern canon with rise of skywalker and then seated hundreds of years previous yeah absolutely so yeah i i, I um and the ship's designer is an aqualish engineer named van targus that's uh, i was talking about too but also these uh, cyclorians working on there yeah this fun little uh, fun little tidbit yeah, yeah, yeah. and I loved. I, I, I'm a big fan of the Aqualish. Uh, this has been a great time for Aqualish fans lately in Star Wars. So I was happy, <laughs> happy to see another Aqualish. And indeed, it has. Indeed, it has. Uh, so look at that. There you go. The Rising Storm. We're already excited for it. And this comes out, uh, like I said, June 29th. New round of High Republic uh, content coming your way. I'm finally, I got the comics in my hand. I'm, I'm finally, I was trying to do this weekend. I lost time, but trying to catch up with the comics as well. So we'll get to those as well. Yes, we will. We'll get to it all. Get to it all. That's a look at Star Wars news. But right now, before we take a break, we have our Force Center recommends an audiobook we think you should try out on us. Yeah, this one has been on my mind because we're talking about the Kenobi television show so much. And last week we did a big episode about Qui-Gon. And hey, it's kind of uh, ties into uh, the High Republic in in a way because it is about Jedi. Maybe at their height, maybe not. Anyway, it's Master and Apprentice by Claudia Gray, one of my favorites. So we should uh, we suggest you checking it out. Absolutely. Check it out on us. Help yourself and help the show by downloading your free audiobook today by going to audibletrial.com slash force center. Again, that's audibletrial.com slash force center for your free audiobook. All right, quick break. We'll reset and come back with your questions here on Force Center. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 
Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey, Four Center friends, make sure you're keeping up to date on all the great content from Jennifer Landa. Whether it's YouTube, Instagram, or TikTok, you whippersnappers, Four Center's own Jennifer Landa continues to bring you fun, informative, and insightful laughs and moments. Also, Jennifer brings her experience and perspective as a Star Wars-loving mother to her DIY projects, blogs, and more. So be sure to head on over to JennyLanda.com. That's J-E-N-I-L-A-N-D-A.com for articles like how to make your own Darth Maul sneakers or 10 unique Star Wars baby gift ideas. Follow Jen on Twitter and Instagram at JenniferLanda and on TikTok as JenniferLanda1138.
right, welcome back to Force Center, the big show, the main show, the superstar destroyer of our fleet, or the profundity of our resistance fleet as well. <laughs> here, just to get all sides represented. Uh, Joseph, we got some great questions, as we always do, but some uh, wonderful ones here from our, our listeners. What do we got? Yeah, we got two from Twitter, two from our patrons on Patreon, so let's dive into Twitter first. Uh, Harry Higgins says, hey, Four Center fam, uh, what's your take on Luke taking out his blue saber in The Last Jedi? I always loved The Last Jedi, but I can't help but wonder why Luke would have not appeared with his green saber as he projects the legend of Luke Skywalker to give hope to the Resistance and the galaxy. Thanks. Uh, this is a great question. I, I've had this uh, conversation uh, in person and over text with uh, different friends. <laughs> right. It's a great one uh, to, to give some thought to. Uh, what is your take on this? When Luke projects to Crate and appears uh, before Kylo and the Resistance and the First Order and everyone, uh, he is wielding the Skywalker blade, not his green blade. What are your thoughts on that? This is one of those situations and questions, too, where it's like sometimes there might be we've heard enough from the creators to think, well, hey, here's why or, or the hows and whys of it uh, in the story. And, and a lot of it might be around, hey, this is what Kylo wants. So Luke wants to uh, bring that to his mind. Um, I think a lot the symbolism of, of Ray handing him the blade and Luke playing around with that. I, I wanted to maybe I, I really want to look at this question. Even a little bit more, Joseph, just like my, what might have been in Luke's thought and I thoughts, and I just had this one idea too of um, maybe that green lightsaber just represents that big failure, and maybe mm. he wants to clear the mojo a little bit here. And <laughs> if he's going out there, um, you know, again, all the other things he knows that Kylo or Ben would uh, react to that blade, want wants the blade, it's assembled, all those kind of wonderful things, which I think are all true. But I just have this idea of Luke going. Yeah, man, that uh, I'm going to leave that one in the lost and found on Octo because uh, that one I, I got to step away from that one a little bit. Yeah, I like thinking about it from a personal level of Luke of like, yeah, it's not. Uh, I I want to put that one down. Is is yeah is a part of it. Yeah, I love that. For me, I think I really go to. Uh, I love Ken to to really think about it from Luke's perspective. I really go that it is a message to Ray. Mm-hmm. Um, Ray offered him that blade twice and he rejected it and then uh he has that great uh conversation with yoda about yep hey you made a mistake you lost ben solo we can't lose ray mm. i think a big part of luke projecting to crate is yeah definitely uh showing the legend of of luke skywalker and and, and letting himself be a legend and letting himself be a symbol of hope because uh the galaxy needs that uh, i think it's processing for luke that he needs to face his mistake which means him facing uh kylo slash ben i think it's the practical saving uh leia saving the resistance uh, but i also think a big part of it is him saying to ray i was wrong mm-hmm. the jedi do need to continue continue i know that this blade has a complex legacy and you offered it to me seeing it just as a symbol of hope just as a symbol of the dark side is rising and there needs to be heroes, there needs to be the Jedi there to meet it. That's what this blade is to Rey. And Luke rejected all those things. And I think it's him saying specifically to Rey with that blade, you are not wrong to see this as a symbol of hope, as a symbol of uh, legacy, and as a symbol that the Jedi should continue. Yeah. 
Yeah, I'm right there with you on that. I, I, I almost as if, as if he's to say, like, uh, uh, Jedi's weapon deserves more respect than that. Oh, wait, he'll he'll say that a little bit later. <laughs> um, yeah, like, hey, yeah, you're, you're right. I, I, I should have taken it. Because you're he offers it, she offers it twice, right? And then she's like, cool, I'm going to give it to Ben, right? Like, I'm going to, he needs it. It's kind of in, in general theory. That's kind of why she's leaving. Fine. You're not going to do it. Ben will do it. I believe in Ben. And so this blade represents a bunch of those things, right? Um, yeah. So a little bit of a, a little bit of a uh, bat signal, a ray signal. If you will. Yeah. A ray signal. And I think for Luke too, uh, he's got to have a complicated relationship with all of his lightsabers, all two of them, as you point yeah. out. Uh, but this is the, you know, the one that when he first picked it up, it was a simpler meaning to him. It was his uh, father's blade. It was his inheritance. It was the possibility of standing up against uh, the, the dark side. And I think for me, it is, I think of him returning to like, I got really, really so far away from those ideas because of everything else I went through that, that I'm going to support those ideas again, that, that imagine a little bit of what I felt when I was young and, and first saw this blade myself. Yeah. I agree with that. And then, you know, if you can make Kylo a little upset in the process, you got to win all around. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And they're, they're, that's always fascinating, too, of like if Kylo had been able to be calm enough in that moment and, and not as obsessed with his his uh, fear of Luke and his need to destroy Luke to prove himself, uh, that maybe he would have been like, how do you have that? <laughs> yeah. But he's just caught up in like eh, eh, my... You know, my master, he's so powerful. That man is so powerful. And he, I guess he can do anything. And I guess that means I'm nothing. Like, I think that's yeah. so where his mind is, all those fears that he doesn't think to question it. Yep. Yeah. Indeed. And really, really great. Uh, you know, uh, we go on about this uh, a lot. But, you know, I, I do think that the end of The Last Jedi, the third act, it matches up really well with Rise of Skywalker and Luke embracing what this blade the best of what this blade can mean is something that happens in both films yeah all right great question uh harry we're going to move on to a question from derek norris uh derek says is there anything shmi could have told anakin in their final moments together that could have swayed him to a place of calm and forgiveness uh watching anakin's arc in clone wars season four and there is a hands-off mentality <laughs> when it comes to annie's anger and vengeance building uh thanks lads uh yeah scrolling through the those episodes and in season four of Clone Wars in particular, I think the whole show uh, wrestles with moments of Anakin's anger. Uh, but in season four, there is the uh, the Zygerian slavers encounter where he gets extremely angry about slavery. And we kind of learn that he doesn't talk about his past. And Ahsoka doesn't know much about his past. Uh, that is uh, the mm. arc where uh, Obi-Wan's uh, death is faked. And that sends Anakin into a spiral and, and real anger at not being included in that plan. So there's, there's a lot going on with, Mm. Anakin's anger uh, ratcheting up in uh, season four. Uh, so, with that in mind, what do you think of this uh, this question, Ken? Uh, is there something Shmi could have done and should have should the Jedi have been more involved in Anakin's anger? Uh, yeah, as far as the Jedi, yeah, we we've talked often about even you know, I know uh, you sometimes uh, wish you could you could sit down with Yoda to get him to give some different advice to Anakin and Attack of the Clones or when or later when the the visions start coming in. Uh, and I, I don't disagree with that at all. Um, as far as me, you know, their last meeting, you know, obviously she's not in, in, in a good way. But if I was to choose, if I if I was to, could could put some uh, some uh, dialogue in her uh, in her mouth, there, I would say, uh, don't hold anger in your heart, Annie. That's what I would say. Uh, which is, 
forgiveness thing. It, there's a lot of forgiveness of uh, of himself that I think Anakin needs to make and maybe never does um, until maybe the end. Uh, so it's that that let letting go of uh, the, the attachments to those feelings too, not just to, to anger to the stuff on the outside, but, but he's, he's, he's probably really upset that in the last 10 years, he didn't choose a different path to, to reunite with his, his mother. And then the vision started happening a little bit later and all that stuff. So yeah, if she could have known, if she could have felt it, she, she gave him some great advice in Phantom Menace. Um, greater, great advice going up, growing up. But I, I think, uh, yeah, don't let the anger uh, hold on, uh, fester and grow in your heart. Yeah, no, there's a solid advice. Um, yeah, I, I totally agree with you about the uh, the Jedi, and I think it's it's very much on purpose in the storytelling of the those later seasons of Clone Wars in particular. That mm-hmm. I think it is a criticism of the Jedi that they have trained Anakin. He knows what he is supposed to do and not supposed to do on paper. And it's his responsibility to master his feelings. And they kind of keep poking him toward mastering his feelings. But I think kind of the tragedy of that storytelling is he needed more help than they gave. I think, you know, when Obi-Wan talks about failing Anakin as a teacher, I think it, that is sometimes uh, a part of it and and all the Jedi. And in that scene in Revenge of the Sith, when Anakin does go to Yoda for help, Yoda gives him great advice, but it's not as, as emotional. Mm-hmm. focused as maybe Anakin needed so I think there's that I kind of think Shmi could have given him any amount of great advice in the moments that he was leaving and I think kind of the story of Anakin is he forgot Yeah, <laughs> I yeah. feel like you know people talk a lot about um, uh, Phantom Menace uh, obviously ton ton of debates about the quality but even going back to uh, the machete cut uh, mm-hmm. where uh, the viewing order where people say like you don't need to watch Phantom Menace because there's nothing narratively important like okay mm-hmm. uh, we can debate that but Phantom Menace to me is it's so emotionally and thematically important I feel like a part of it is you know seeing Anakin when he's young and innocent but also just seeing that he's given almost all of the wisdom that he needs right because the the wisdom that Shmi does give him before he leaves is, you know, accept change. Only you can choose your own path and actions. Uh, listen to your heart and feelings. Uh, your instinct to be selfless and go help people is great. Go do those things. <laughs> yeah. If you choose, because it's your choice. Um, she gives him all of this great advice. And then uh, I think even to tie it to another quote that we all love from The Phantom Menace, I think he does focus on his mother but, you know, he really does let his focus determine his reality. And instead of focusing on what Shmi said to him or what Shmi would have wanted, he only focuses on the pain of losing her. And I think that's a part of the story is there's this great tragedy of if what he was able to focus on in losing Shmi is, yeah, it's horrible and it's painful and, and be honest with himself about those emotions and process them. But then really think about who was she? What did she believe in? What did she tell me that he could have? Uh, helped himself from going down this path. Uh, indeed. And, and I, these are things that I think um, went off a little bit later on in his final moments that, you know, I'm not, I'm not saying he's running Shmi quotes through his brain up there in the Emperor's throne room, but I think that stuff was there. It was instilled there. And like you said, forgot it, moved past. And that was part of uh, Luke's sacrifice, the compassion and everything that Vader felt in that moment. Anakin wins out. It is uh, to me that that little boy finally listening. Yeah, exactly. Uh, a great question, uh, Derek. Uh, of 
uh, always happy, always happy uh, to think about uh, Shmi and possible uh, Shmi. <laughs> Choose your own adventures of what could have Shmi done or said. Uh, but ultimately, Anakin's choice, I think. Yeah. Uh, any final thoughts on that one, Ken? No, I, you know, you, uh, this. I think last week you mentioned the Machete Order too, which is I've got nothing against those people who like that order. I, I just it, it, cutting stuff out. I, you even hear that thing about well, you know you could take Chewbacca out of the story and nothing would. Nothing would change. Well, but why would you? <laughs> why would you? Uh, joy. joy. Joy would change, right? Would change. There's so much there. And, and same with uh, all these films. Are, are some better than others? Yeah, sure. Maybe we can have those discussions. But uh, the emotional canon we love so much just runs through all of them. And they're all one big, uh, one big uh, living story to me. Yeah, exactly. Well said. Uh, we're going to move on to our questions from our patrons on Patreon. First one comes from Joseph Anderson. Joseph says, hello, Force Center. I couldn't help but draw some similarities with training conflict in The Last Jedi with Luke Skywalker and Ben Solo in the vibe I feel like we could be getting in the Obi-Wan Kenobi series with Obi-Wan and Anakin. Uh, what do you guys think of some of the similarities and differences you think we could see with Luke and Ben's training that we saw in The Last Jedi with what we could see with Obi-Wan and Anakin in the upcoming series? Uh, this is a great question. I really love this. I, I think there's really uh, strong connections uh, between these two failed relationships mm -hmm. between Master and Apprentice. Ken, where do you go? What do you feel uh, as the connections between these tales of tragedy and, and what more do you hope to see? Yeah, I wouldn't, the, the, that failure, that failure as a teacher and mentor thing is going to be strong, but it's like, to me, Anakin, or excuse me, Obi-Wan might be on the other side of it, right? So can he overcome? And then now, and now he might, there's a, a you know, again, we don't know. And I, I, I don't want to go too far down the path, but uh, I just see Obi-Wan maybe having to accept that failure, which is similar to me, obviously in Luke overall, but even in that moment, there's some like, damn, I failed. Um and that's the way it is. He doesn't get time to process it in the moment. He has to process it later. But maybe Obi-Wan will process it, not in a flash, but just like, I need to move on. I need to let go of this. I need to cut these attachments. And maybe it is in a moment. Um, does it happen with Anakin or Vader on the ground and Obi-Wan could go for the kill and he won't? Maybe. I, I can see that connective thread. But I just, um, yeah, the so the, I don't. It's all kind of similar to me. But the go moving forward, I love the the turning of the the chapter in Obi Wan. I want to I want to see what that looks like and see what that feels, and how he has to really uh, let go of his attachment to his uh, the idea that he failed. Yeah, to accept his failure and, mm -hmm. and move on from it and focus on Luke. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. No, I think there's great uh, connective tissue. As Joseph is saying, I think you know. Um, both Obi-Wan and Luke acknowledge failing their students. They say it out loud. I, I failed you, you know? And I think it's it's fun for us as fans to have opinions on exactly how and why and what information is given to us in the films and what can we extrapolate based on the characters of Obi-Wan and Luke. But we both know, uh, if we believe their actual words, that they do feel they failed their students. Yeah. And we know that both Anakin and Ben blame their masters uh for some of their problems you know so much of the story of the last jedi is luke feels he had this one moment this flickering second of should i try to stop ben from destroying uh and killing and, and hurting everything i love and, and damaging the galaxy and then realizing that's wrong and then feeling like he you know paid the price for that one moment of failure mm. you know and and with anakin and obi-wan uh, certainly, uh, I think Obi-Wan uh, blames himself for not guiding Anakin better, for not uh, uh, seeing how 
how much pain Anakin was in and helping him with it better. But then there's also the whole like, and he did ultimately cut off his limbs. Yeah. <laughs> so there's definitely, I think, this great uh, dark side perspective where you want to be able to be at angry at everybody but yourself. It wasn't my choice. It was everybody else failed me and I hate them for it, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and for, for Anakin and Ben, it's very easy for them to hate Obi-Wan and Luke respectively. And then they have other characters in their lives that it's harder for them to hate because it's harder for them to put the blame of their fall to the dark side on other people. Um, so definitely with the Kenobi show, I've been getting so excited about so many ideas. I do need to uh, be sure to slow my roll and say, this would be great if this happened. <laughs> yeah. Uh, if it doesn't, I'll accept whatever show uh, they give me and enjoy that show for what it is. That big old caveat said, I, I really hope that the Obi-Wan show involves Obi-Wan trying to get through to Anakin mm. In accepting that he can't get through to Anakin, he's not the right person to get through to Anakin because it's very easy for Anakin to blame Mm Obi-Wan. And I think, given all the other storytelling of Star Wars, I think Obi-Wan trying to get through to Anakin and failing to do that and thinking, because I couldn't get through to him, no one can. Anakin is gone, period. Right. I believe Luke is is the new hope. I believe Luke is maybe always meant to be the chosen one. Right. It's a great story for Obi-Wan, but then it connects in a really fascinating way to Luke, right? Because we know in Return of the Jedi, Obi-Wan believes that Anakin is gone. There's no one to save. Right. Darth Vader just needs to be stopped. And I think in this story of uh, students growing beyond their masters, I think Luke does grow beyond right. Obi-Wan to the point that he is in a similar uh, position in The Last Jedi, but he's in a more evolved position because Luke knows that someone can get through to Ben, but Luke himself can't. Mm. You know, he says, I've come to face him and I can't save him. And then he has that line that has, you know, wonderful multiple different meanings. But I think one of them is about uh, Ben Solo being able to be rescued Mm. when Luke says no one's ever really gone. I think, that's Luke learning from Obi-Wan's mistake. Yeah. Obi-Wan believed that because I can't get to Anakin, then he's gone. And I feel like Luke is saying, I can't get to Ben, but that doesn't mean somebody else can. No one's ever really gone. You know, my father wasn't really gone. Ben's not really gone. Someone can always, you know, help a a person who has fallen to the dark side. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think um, I do. Do you, how, how far do you want, no, no I'm about the series. This now we're just speculating rap very, just rapidly irresponsible here. Um, do you, do you want to see any of this from Vader? Like what, what's your envision of just that moment where Obi-Wan's like, yeah, this cat's gone. Is it a fight? Is it a conversation? Is, is it aftermath? Is it a campfire? <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I I don't know. And this is the kind of thing where the story around it makes a difference, right? Of, of sure. how you build that moment. I, I think it would be so powerful if Obi-Wan almost does get through to Anakin. Right, yeah. You know, where there is true relief and bliss that, the, you know, the yellow goes out of the eyes and mm-hmm. he is almost back and he just can't but something you know and this is you get into the real mechanics of the story and what's at stake outside of just the emotions of obi-wan invader um in the 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 situational story um right you know that 
if Obi-Wan did everything he could to get Anakin back, he was on the precipice and he still turned back in a way that really enforces Obi-Wan's belief that mm-hmm. no, he's, he's gone, you know, yeah. and, and nothing can ever get him back. I, I would be really intrigued by that. This is incredibly wild speculation. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The thing that to me is less speculative is I, I, I have great hope that they address the fact that Obi-Wan seems to really believe that Anakin is gone. Right, right, right. Like truly in his heart of hearts, that it's not a line. <laughs> that yeah. the, from a certain point of view isn't a manipulation of Luke. That's truly what Obi-Wan believes. Yeah, no, yeah. I trust they'll keep that in mind. But yeah, you're, you're, think of the Ahsoka Anakin rebels end of season two moment with his eyes out of the cracked mask. And I, I believe in my heart there was a flicker of, of, of Anakin there and it gets washed away real fast. So I don't want to completely repeat that beat, but I think that's there. I think that's the fight. So I, I'm up. I'm up for a uh, Vader has a moment of weakness, a moment, a fleeting a moment. moment. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, you know the the rematch of the century. You know, I think that is going to be physical combat, but I also do hope it is the emotional rematch of the century, as we've talked about as well. <laughs> Sit down here, Anakin. Uh, have a drink here. Let's talk. I'm Vader. No, no, no. You're Anakin. I want Obi Wan to just approach him and just have a list, like he's that yeah. he's written out old school on paper of like. Anakin, these are all my mistakes. These are all the ways I've failed you. <laughs> I wrote them out because I just find it easier to get out my thoughts. <laughs> yes, a big apology note that he's going to slip him uh, <laughs> on a Star Destroyer. Anyway, great, great question, uh, Joseph the, Anderson. This is, uh, this is one of the, those moments of, uh, of Star Wars poetry that I really cherish. So thanks for uh, giving us an opportunity to think on it and talk on it. Uh, moving on to a question from Alden Diaz. Hello, Alden. Thanks for sending in the question. Uh, Ken says, hello, Ken and Joseph. I hope you're both having a nice spring thus far. With that said, let's talk about the absolute antithesis of spring, Sheev Palpatine. He is the fall, isn't he? Uh, I was listening to an interview with Claudia Gray recently, and she took a brief dive into her feelings on the dark side. She cited the constant pain, relentless suffering, and nonstop state of sadness and resentment that these dark side characters are always struggling. And it made me think, is Palpatine struggling? Do you think he's long since beyond that point? Just really made me wonder if he uh, ever has sleepless nights. Does he cry? Is he constantly writing some kind of breaking point? Or maybe he's a singular case in which that struggle is truly over. Is he the end point for all dark siders? Thanks as always for the wonderful work. Oh man, I just uh, take what questions are next, Ken. But uh, <laughs> for myself, you know, pulling some Kenobi questions, some Palpatine questions. What a, what a happy day for me, uh, and you too as well. Yeah. So, what are your thoughts on this? Do you think that? Uh, <laughs> let's boil this down. Do you think Palpatine cries at night? Uh, do you think he struggles with anything, or is he perfectly content in his evil? I I gotta tell you, I, the Claudia Gray stuff is, is great. I think she's just right about all that stuff. I, I, I'm kind of, I don't want to say I'm with Alden. Alden doesn't necessarily say that this is what he thinks, but he, he offers a question. There is a part of me that looks at Palpatine and thinks he's beyond that in a way, but it's all there. And maybe he's feeding his own dark side energy off of it. And I don't mean that like literally just, but like emotionally, you know, you, you know, I love the dealing with the emotions of star Wars and these characters of he might've, maybe he's crying, maybe in Phantom Menace, he cries. I don't know. But I think I think he's in that office, just feeling all the anger, and then and then feeling all the, you know, the stuff in the galaxy around him, course, and all the anxiety, all the fears, the oppression, everything. Almost like he's just feeding off that stuff emotionally. And so the answer might be that he thinks he's beyond it, but we definitely don't 
have, this isn't Anakin Vader. This isn't uh, even Maul, who is this blunt weapon, who who has this hole in his soul. We get to see some, I would say for Maul, softer moments in his final seconds. Um, I don't think we see any of that with Palpatine. And I like the idea of at one point, he just not defeated that, just decided to completely be fueled by that in his quest for unlimited power, which shows that there is a pretty sizable hole in his soul. <laughs> yeah, no, I love this. I, I love what you're saying. Uh, I, I like the idea that maybe we'll never see it. Maybe we'll no, never know what it is, but there is some wound, some fear yeah. uh, that motivates Palpatine. You know, I, I like the story of Star Wars where it, it, he wasn't just born like, ooh, that's an evil one. Right, right, yeah. <laughs> that something happened to him and he fell. Uh, to the dark side and gave himself to the dark side. But even more than the various characters we've met, like Maul, we get to know, as you're saying, get to know it. He, he is Obi-Wan tells him he never had a choice. He was just given yeah. to Palpatine and raised in pain and anger and blame the Jedi for it and lash out and hate. And, and he goes through his journey. We get to see Asajj Ventress go through her journey. We know Vader's journey. We know Ben Solo's journey. We don't really know Palpatine's journey other than he fell and he was like, great. Mm-hmm. <laughs> this is where I want to be. Um, I think his big weakness, I, I don't think he cries. Mm. I think what keeps him up at night is fear. Yep. I think he is in pain from constant fear. Uh, I think we get to see him cackling and preening and enjoying other people's pain. And I think he does enjoy it, but never really. He doesn't actually get to enjoy anything he's won he never gets to the top of the mountain and looks down and goes great i mean he kind of does he literally does with yoda with the hand gesture of this is great uh but i think any moment of enjoyment at, at all of the horrific things he's accomplished is immediately fed back into that dark side circle by his fear of losing it yeah and i kind of think he's lying to himself about it i think he thinks he is the epitome of the dark side that he has absolutely mastered it. Right. Uh, And when he's telling Anakin the story Mm. of Darth Plagueis and he's manipulating Anakin claiming the Jedi uh, seek more and more power, just like everybody else. And he says, all who gain power are afraid to lose it. It's really from this wise man place. But I, I think he has fallen to that as well. And if you go through like some of his quotes and some of his actions, a lot of what we actually see Palpatine do is just desperately try not to lose his power and react to a theoretical future where he could, you know, yeah. exactly like Anakin falling to a vision of maybe a bad thing happening to Padme in the future that he's, he's just up every night with who could attack me? How could they take it from me? Mm-hmm. And in particular with the Jedi, like uh, I love Palpatine's uh, delivery in uh, Revenge of the Sith of the Jedi are relentless. <laughs> yeah, right. You know, when he's telling Anakin to go kill them all right, right away, it's all, it's all a manipulation of Anakin. It's all tactical. The Jedi do need to die. But the way that line is delivered, like that bastard's feeling that mm-hmm. he's like they're going to chase me forever. They're going to take this from me. <laughs> you yeah. know? Yeah. Yeah. No. See, here, here, my thing with Palpatine is, uh, you know, in Revenge of the Sith, a uh, great over the top moment. I love that it's over the top because he wins, right? Power, yeah. power. We we can poke that for years was po- a lot of people poke fun at fun at that moment. I think now it's a it's a favorite moment for a lot of people because of what it represents. So to me, yeah, Palpatine more than any other Sith Lord that we know of, and perhaps any other Sith Lord has won. He's got what everybody wants, and 
then he spends the next uh, 20 plus years, like you say, looking around every corner and then trying to hold on and get more power and more power in the unknown regions and what's out there. And, oh, if I die, I'll take it, I'll burn it all down and then also try to bring me back. <laughs> and you're right. And that, it does represent that. That's why, you know, if, if it's um, if Yoda's statement, you know, f- fear leads to this, this, that and the other thing. It begins with fear. So it makes sense to me that Palpatine represents what that fear actually truly can be. Yeah, exactly. I think whatever kind of a initial wound or or series of wounds in his young life, which would have led him to the dark side, is all about a, a loss of control, right? Of yeah. uh, somebody is going to take this from me. Um, a couple other quotes, just tracking him through the years of how many times his focus is on uh, Jedi <laughs> taking things from him. You know, the Jedi mm-hmm. are relentless, but then, you know, Empire Strikes Back, the son of Skywalker must not become a Jedi. That's his whole focus. Mm-hmm. Uh, if, if you accept that it is some version of Palpatine, uh, puppeteering Snoke, mm-hmm. the entire uh, mechanics of The Force Awakens and The Last Jedi are just the First Order could be happily taken over the galaxy and he's just running around desperate that Luke Skywalker doesn't come back, you know? Uh, Stokes line, Skywalker lives, the seat of the Jedi Order lives, as long as he does, hope lives in the galaxy. And then we get, you know, Palpatine himself uh, hanging from the claw arm at the beginning of Rise of Skywalker saying, kill the girl and the Jedi and become what your grandfather Vader could not. Almost all of his actions that we see are this desperate attempt to prevent the possible loss of his power. Yeah. And not letting go, not moving on all those things. Yeah. And I, I even love, I love it's, it's not as deep and, and meaningful as some of the stuff you're bringing up here, Joseph, but I, I even love that. He's so petty with Ben Solo at the end. <laughs> just like, I fail you. So shit, you false guy. Like, he's just like, he did. He's so angry about that uh, because that's how he did lose his uh, power. Essentially. Uh, he's just petty. He's petty and fearful and angry. Yeah, and I love that because it is one of those moments of that's a great mythic moment, even the way it's written is so like beautifully, uh, you know, uh, mythical and, and pulpy uh, and where those two things meet is I fell so falls the last Skywalker, but it still has that energy of like, uh, <laughs> you know, it, you left me with the bill the last time we went at the diner. So this time I'm going to leave you with the bill at the diner. Like it's so petty and real, you know? Yeah. Uh, that's so true. Yeah. Yeah. And I think he's just so I think he is a, a, a more effective version of the dark side. Right. But I don't think he is different. I think he has this insecurity, this fear, and that turns into rage. How can I, I'm going to find anybody who could threaten me and I'm going to manipulate them or turn them or kill them. Uh, and then I'm going to get more. But as soon as I get more now, what if I lose that? And I think I don't think he cries. I don't think he has weakness. I don't think he has some person that he used to love that he pictures necessarily. Maybe. Mm-hmm. But I think he just sits there and festers in his fear always. Look, man, I think it's a charhound. It's just a framed picture of a charhound. <laughs> yeah, the, there was a dog who ran away from him. <laughs> I don't like you, Sheev. <laughs> Says Bolty, the char charhound who ran away. Bolty was a terrible name. Don't don't give your dog the name Bolty. Bolty works. <laughs> anyway, uh, thank you, everyone, for the great questions. Alden, uh, Joseph, Derek, and Harry, all great fun questions. Uh, that's it for the questions, Ken. That's it for the questions. Uh, almost done with this episode here, but uh, you can find us on Twitter if you'd like at Force Center Pod. We're on Instagram and YouTube as well. Facebook pages, Force Center Podcast. Podcast available on a lot of different spots, including Anchor, iHeartRadio, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, Amazon Music, and Spotify. Merch is available at tpublic.com slash user slash 
Force Center. You can support us directly at patreon.com slash Force Center. Uh, for me, you can go to my website, catnapsock.com, or follow me at catnapsock. Um, we always like to focus charities uh, or things that we're working on and uh, supporting in the real world. Um, one of them, for me, I've been talking about it, but we really started working with them hand-in-hand uh, uh, hand over at the Good People Association uh, is the Battle Buddy Foundation. This is uh, uh, founded by husband and wife team, Kenny and Chrissy, after Kenny got out of the Marines um, and almost took his own life. And so he started a foundation to help uh, pair uh, veterans returning uh, to normal civilian life uh, and pairing them with dogs, um, uh, dogs, uh, emotional support dogs and service dogs. Uh, they've placed 35 uh, so far. It's a great organization. We're doing some work. Uh, you can go find out more at uh, tbbf.org, the Battle Buddy Foundation. Joseph. Yeah, that's a great, great uh, organization, Ken, and uh, such a great uh, mission. Um, you can find me, Twitter and Instagram and TikTok at Joseph Scrimshaw. You can check out my website, uh, josephscrimshaw.com, for all of my other comedy adventures, uh, other podcasts and comedy albums and all sorts of stuff like that. Uh, and then for the thing that I would like to plug this week, uh, I want to bring up uh, the service ResistBot. Uh, this is uh, a texting service. I think you can do it through Twitter. I use the text version, lots of different ways to use it, but it's just a very fast automated way uh, to reach your reps. And if you feel uh, passionate about something that's going on in the world and feel like you want your reps to uh, weigh in or have a position or vote a certain way, uh, this is a great way to reach them. I think it's another way to, to uh, be reminded that we do have power and we uh, have opportunities to exercise it by letting our reps know what it is that we believe in and we want to see happen. Great thing indeed. Great thing indeed. Did the resist bot, does it have a resistance logo hat I could buy? <laughs> I think it is. I don't think it's that political. Oh, not, okay. I mean, it is very political, very, obviously. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Uh, but I don't know. I haven't seen it with a hat. Uh, okay. I, I don't think there's a full like automated droid version yet that's literally walking around town. Maybe we'll evolve to that of like, there's a there's an actual resist bot on every corner that you can <laughs> tell your concerns to. Love it. Check out ResistBot, my friends. Uh, so that is it. That is it for this week. So for Palpatine's quiet, lonely tears, this has been Force Center. We'll see you next week, friends. deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. 
Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 